jump in there real quick. Isn't it great that he is our lighthouse? It's also kind of cool that he guides us safe to the shore, but as Chris said, safe to your seats as well. I like that, Chris. Pretty good way of working that in there. That was all right. Okay, we got quite a few announcements I want to go to this morning, one of which, if you were not able to be here last Sunday evening, uh, that was an incredible presentation done for the Corey Ten Boom. Uh, she, is she is going to be back in the area in May. I'm not sure if she's going to come by here or, or we're talking about she does other performances as well. If you were not able to be here, I want to, one of the, it was Facebook Live. Last time I looked, it was like a thousand views, but it was incredible. I want to encourage you to go watch it on Facebook Live. And like I said, she'll be back in May in the area, and I think we'll try to get her to come by here and do something again. But all that she had memorized was just really incredible. You really missed out. Also, too, the toy ride. The um, toy ride went incredibly well yesterday. If you were not able to be a part of that, I, Rod would know. I think we had 50 or 60 bikes here, huh? So 50 bikes, five service uh, utility vehicles. We had, we had 50 a, bikes and nine vehicles because I counted them. Okay. <laughs> and and a, had a slingshot. She didn't count the slingshot. She, she missed the slingshot, and she included a dune buggy as a service vehicle. Nope, that's fun. <laughs> no, we had a great time yesterday. There was a lot of bikes that were here. Um, it, it, it was an incredible day. I'm sure there's many testimonies. I'm just going to share one with you. I shared in Sunday school because it, it just really grabbed me. We, we stopped at one house, had a little boy, I'm going to say three or four years old, and uh, he was excited. He was, as, as they're pulling out the toys, he's excited and he's just bubbly. And, but when they pulled out the fire truck, it was like a cartoon. His eyes literally got like that big. His eyes just opened up. And he started just, just going, saying things I couldn't understand. And he, he started dancing in a circle. And he was about three quarters of the way through his circle. He realized, I never got my toy. And ran back over and, <laughs> and got his fire truck. It was incredible. It was, a, it was absolutely incredible uh, watching that little boy. But many times. And the other thing that really stood out to me was uh, how appreciative everybody was. All these families and kids. There was one family in Stockdale, they just, each time we hand, there was three children, and each time we hand them something, that child would say thank you, and showing their manners, and showing that they were appreciative of these things. So it really was a blessing. It turned into about a, a well, quite a bit longer than we thought it would ride. Um, but that's a good thing. One of the roads, at least one of the roads, kids came out all down the road. It was a long dead-end road, Hickory Hill. We Hickory Hill? Yeah, Hickory Hill. And turn around as we're coming out. Well, all them kids heard those, those 50 bikes going down the... <laughs> I don't know how many. But they heard all them bikes. Well, they were all, com they were all coming out. And so we had to keep stopping and handing candy canes or little bears. And it was so neat seeing all these kids down that whole road just come. And adults. There was a lot of adults out with cameras, too. We, did, we just had a great day yesterday. So if you couldn't be with us, hope you can go next year. Uh, talk to your, to your wives, talk to your husbands, buy you a new Harley, and, and join in the fun. Or a Yamaha. Yeah, everybody needs a starter somewhere. But anyway. My starter didn't run yesterday. My Harley died. Let me just say it. 
before we throw it out there, my bike died halfway through. But it was just the battery, so we're still good. It, I rode it home, so we're good. There you go. Amen, amen. That's right, Barry got to go. He was riding in the truck. He had the windows down so he'd get the wind effect, but he was there. <laughs> amen. But it really was a good time. We had a great time. And thanks to you guys. I mean, all thanks goes on to the Lord. Amen. But thank you to you guys who donated gifts and brought all those things for us to be able to, to give away to these families. And there was only one. Usually we got two or three houses we couldn't find. There was only one. And Rod made it back late in the evening last night and was able to, to leave that with them too. So all the families got all their gifts and everything went out and worked out very well. So praise the Lord for that. Uh, just a couple more announcements tonight, as it's been mentioned. Christmas caroling, 6 o'clock this evening. Uh, we'll have the fire truck leading the procession. We're going to do two trailers, one piggyback to the other, like last year. There'll be plenty of room. Come on out. Uh, and if we do fill the trailers, you can stay and drink hot chocolate and cookies and such. But I think we'll have a great uh, turnout and a great fun tonight. Just It takes about 30 minutes, 45 minutes. We just go up and down the roads here singing Christmas carols and... Just, just sing into the community and let them know that the, the Savior's been born. Amen? Uh, amen. So we've got candlelight service. Christmas Eve night, 6 o'clock, will be our candlelight service. Uh, some of the kids and, and, and uh, uh, others have uh, some adults as well. They've been working on some of the presentations that will be brought for the candlelight service. I want to encourage you to come and, and be a part of that and be a, a just candlelight. What is the candlelight service? We, we do this on Christmas Eve. The world has, in many ways, tried to ursa the meaning of Christmas. But it's about the birth of the Savior. And what better way to celebrate the birth of the Savior than in his house with other believers in the Christ? Amen? So we gather together on candlelight service, Christmas Eve night. I'm not going to keep everybody late. I know there's many traditions and things that people do. But we're going to come, and we're going to hear the kids. We're going to hear the adults. And we are going to be able to just... Uh, Go forth, and Oksana's been working with them so that they can go forth with their word. The word of God's going to go out, and we're going to be able to go home Christmas Eve remembering the Christmas story Amen. and why we're celebrating that day. Amen? Amen? So I encourage you guys to come out 6 o'clock on candlelight service Christmas Eve night, Monday night for that. Okay. I will say one more thing, two more things actually, but one of which, they always give me the number of count for Sunday school. We've been running in the high 70s. Today we had 90 in Sunday school. Praise God for that. Amen. Amen. And last but not least, immediately following the service today, uh, when, when we're all done here about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, no, I'm just kidding. Immediately following the service today, you're asked to, you're welcome to stay, come next door to the fellowship hall. There's going to be cake and, and, and things over there and ice cream to celebrate Miss Carolyn's 85th birthday. Where's she at? Where's she at? There she is. So happy birthday, Miss Carolyn. Everybody tell her happy birthday. Yeah, I don't sing, so I'll let you all do that. Well, <laughs> Amen. Amen. I'll leave that to her son to humiliate her up here. And tomorrow, okay. Boy, everybody's having birthdays this week. Amen. So praise God. Isn't it great that we, we can gather together and have fun and laugh and smile and celebrate each other's birthdays? 
and still mainly remember that it is the birthday of the Christ is the name of the season. Amen? So stay with Carolyn and her family and help celebrate her 85th birthday. And we're going to go ahead and get back to mute. Oh, no, we're not. We're going to ask Rod to come up and speak. Rod, come on up. You got the scripture reading this morning. I almost forgot about you, brother. <laughs> oh, well, it's always a good one. Yeah. Father God, I just lift up my brother and just ask you blessing. May we hear you through him today. Uh, God, he, he helped organize and put together all that Christmas toy run stuff yesterday. And he's tired, but he's still willing to get up and come and open the word with us this morning. So, Father, I, may, I pray that you'll use him. And may we hear you through him. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks, brother. Good morning. Anybody want to hear the cowboy wisdom one today? I found a good one, I think. And then we'll get to the real word. This one is out of the cowboy book of life, wisdom. It says, it is best to keep your troubles pretty much to yourselves, because half the people you tell them won't give a darn, and the other half be glad to hear that you got them. <laughs> Cowboy wisdom. Well, this time of the year is kind of special, although we should go this every day of the year, but especially this time of the year, we keep this in mind. Uh, I'm going to Romans 15, 1 through 6. It says, Now, we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not to please ourselves. Each one of us must please his neighbor for his good in order to build him up. For even the Messiah did not please himself. On the contrary, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. That just means, especially this time of the year, and that's what this season is about, is take care of your neighbor, take care of your friends, your family, whoever. It's not about ourselves, but it's about the other people, and that's who the Lord Jesus put us here to serve. So with that, I'll go to prayer. Heavenly Father, we do go to you each and every day and just pray that we're in your will the best of our ability. And when we're not, please forgive us for failing you. We know that you have a forgiving heart and you're, you're always with us. We, we can't put the words out enough to glorify you. We do this and ask this in our Lord Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to mention somebody. TJ's sitting back here. He's from Florida. He's part of the Faith Writers Group, which we belong to, the chapter. And that's the headquarters down there. And TJ has been here before. He was here last year, about this time, and he brought that big poster from the Faith Riders from Florida. So they've been interested in what we do, and he's made special efforts to be here. So I want to welcome you, TJ. All right. Um, one other neat story from the uh, the ride yesterday. Um, I don't know who went on the ride, but actually, I don't even see Mr. Williford in here. Is he not in here? Okay, he's not in here. Anyway, special thanks goes out to him because he hosted a young lady uh, who's a friend of mine who he and I both met up in Austin 
at the uh, governor's round table. Her name was Grace. She probably didn't introduce herself as such, but she's a survivor of the Santa Fe shooting. And she rode with everybody yesterday and you know saw that there was good in the world and, and saw good being done for children and stuff like that. And um, I, I know her on Facebook and stuff like that. And she's a, she's a very strong young girl, but she's also going out into the world and being on her own for the first time. And, and I think it was really awesome that she got to see um, our church and, and what we do and, and, you know, our joy and stuff like that. Um, so thanks goes out to Stephen if he ever does hear this. But anyway. Amen. Yeah. We're going to sing a few more uh, Christmas carols in preparation for tonight, but uh, uh, more importantly than that, we're going to sing them unto our, unto our Lord. And we're going to be thankful for um, the amazing gift that was given to us. Uh, so long ago in that manger. So this is a way in a manger. Amen. 
deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in the dark streets shining, the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are
Bless you. How beautiful. And though she didn't know it, that leads exactly right into the message this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. So turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. And we're also going to be in Hebrews chapter 7. But Matthew chapter 1 is first. As you're turning there, I want Morgan's going to bring up a video. I don't think there was sound to it, correct? Okay. Just bring the video up, and I want you to watch this. This was on Facebook, but I want you to watch something real quick. The explanation was that these children are being born at wet birth, but as you see how they're being born. Yep. They're just figuring out they're born.
already the sibling poke in the eye. <laughs> that's good, honey. I just wanted you to see that because that's pretty miraculous, wouldn't you think? To know that we have that kind of technology, that we can do those kinds of things, to watch these children that, that were coming out of that water, realizing for the first time that they are, are being born. There are many people who would have said that that was not possible, that that was impossible, that that, that, that just couldn't happen. There was a day and age where that science would say that is an impossibility. But yet we see it there, a miraculous thing being wrought by human hands. If that is being wrought by human hands, and we're seeing these kind of miraculous things being brought forth by human hands, how much more so can our dad, or our dad, our heavenly father, I have no idea where that came from, our heavenly father can bring forth those kinds of things. How much more can our heavenly father bring forth an immaculate conception, an immaculate birth, a virgin birth of our Lord and Savior? Amen? In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will conceive and bear forth a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. The prophecy went forth, and the prophecy was fulfilled in Christ. Amen? Even though God is a supernatural being, there are many people who still say, Nah, that couldn't happen. It's impossible. And what scares me, as I was sharing with a couple of folks just this morning, what scares me about that is you might expect that from the lost world. But there are many who claim to be Christians, claim Christianity as their faith, who say they do not believe in the virgin birth. They believe in Christ, but they do not believe in the virgin birth. And what I would like to share with you this morning is a doctrinal type of message, but yet it's because of something I read just this past week, and then I saw this video as well. But it is amazing to me that it's not only within the church, it's not just people in the church who say that they believe in Christ without the virgin birth, but there are many in clergy who are saying they believe in Christ without the virgin birth. Folks, what I plan to present to you this morning, what God's laid in my heart, is you can't have one without the other. You have to have the two. Now, in many quarters, in ecclesiastical rooms, if you will, where these clergy are meeting, the virgin birth is being considered unworthy of our 21st century mentality, our 21st century science, if you will, that biologically this kind of birth is just impossible, so therefore it just could not happen. Science claims of, of absolute authority have pronounced against it, and who dares challenge the, the, the all-knowing of such an a eminent authority? Now, anyone who knows me tends to, to knows that also I, science is, next to theology, is my favorite subject. Now, I believe that science, if looked at from the correct worldview, it actually supports theology and supports Scripture. But when we start worshiping science rather than Christ, we've made a mistake. When we start worshiping what we think we know rather than Christ, we're headed down a pathway that's leading the opposite of God. There was a time in this country, and with people in general, that would have looked at that, you know, without seeing that video, I would say even right now, people would not believe, many people, that you could see these babies come out of the water like that. But we have the video evidence now. Just because we don't understand something or how something can be doesn't negate the fact that it happened. 
When we look at these miraculous births that we just saw and realize those that, that on that video came from man's hands, how much more from my God? How much more should we consider the, the absolute impossible to be, be able to be made possible? My God is greater. My God can do whatever he so chooses. How much more can the supernatural power of God, if we can do that, how much more can God do? But yet we want to get so arrogant, caught up in our own ideas. And I'm afraid that oftentimes we allow our arrogance to grab a hold of us and mislead us away from the power of God in our lives. And as I said, I'm not just talking about uh, us lay people here or there. I'm saying clergy. I, I read a, a story just this past week. I was sharing it with Sherry a little bit this past week. But there's a group of Bible scholars. It's a Lutheran-based group. It was the Bible scholars who unanimously agreed that Jesus had a human father. They're uncertain of who that father is, but he had a human father. These, these scholars said Jesus could not have been born of a virgin because of physiological things, that he could not have been conceived by the Holy Spirit, that he was not literally the Son of God, and, and put him in the same category as other great religious leaders who were conceived and born in a usual manner. Well, the problem there, there's many problems we're going to look at, but guys, this article states that the birth narrative of Matthew and Luke, that those things were just made up. They had just theological ideas about it. It was to give him theological precedence. Even though Isaiah 4, 4 said that this was the prophecy, this is how he's going to come. Now, the seminar admits they don't know who the father is. They're not sure. They say some, some said it might have been Joseph. Some said Mary it might have been raped. But none of those within that article, that, uh, those 40 men who wrote were in that seminar, we're willing to take the biblical narrative at its face value. That's scary. That is scary when we are sitting in an age where the church is being assailed from the outside to have men sitting on the inside tearing it apart from the inside out. The biblical account of Mary's miraculous conception by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit over, overshadowing her, is dismissed by these folks as being theological a, a, a theological statement that cannot stand up to historical validity. How incredibly wrong that is within the church. You cannot believe, you cannot assess that, or tell me that you believe in Christ if you don't believe in the virgin birth. Now you may say, well, that's just a few men. Well, Barna did a study on this. 7,441 clergy were asked that question. These are what they said. These are the following ministers who do not believe in the virgin birth. Do not believe in the virgin birth. American Lutherans, 19% of the clergy do not believe in the virgin birth. American Baptists, 34% do not believe in the virgin birth. 34%. Episcopalians, 44%. Presbyterians, 49%. And Methodist clergy was at 60%. Do not believe in the virgin birth. And now I'm not talking about going out into amongst the congregation and picking people for this. This was clergy. These were those who are holding the Bible saying that we have a theological understanding of the scriptures, that we are Christians and we're going to share Christ in the gospel with you, but we do not believe in the virgin birth. Folks, there's a problem there. There's a quote by Millard Eckerson. He says, next to the resurrection, the most debated controversial event in Jesus' life is the virgin birth. But folks, I would share with you this morning, it's not controversial if you accept the scripture as it's presented to you and I. 
But look at it in Matthew 1. I want us to read this story. You've read it before, but I want to read it again. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. Boom. Done. Finished. It came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, excuse me, after his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. These two texts, Isaiah and Matthew right there both, are clear testimony, I believe, to the biblical evidence of the virgin birth. Now, why is that important to our faith? I want to make sure that we understand the importance here in case you are on the fence or if someone brings this argument to you, you can understand and go back there. There's at least six things that stand out uh, of this text that testifies to the virgin birth. The first of which, Matthew corroborates, if you will, I'll get it out one way or the other, the basis, or maybe I should say he's just building the foundation, the basis for Luke's claims of Joseph and Mary when they were in that betrothal period. Now, what is that betrothal period? That is a period of time where, where she, has been, uh, bequeathed, she has been given over to Joseph. Joseph is accepted. They are learning one another. They are, they are, they are uh, looking towards one another. They know they're going to be married. There is no relations at this point. They're being watched very closely to make sure there is no relations at this point. Now, he specifically states also uh, that he recounts that there was a time before, and it is an undisputed word in the Greek manuscript, before they had come together. So the, the, nothing has happened between them. This would have meant that before they lived their lives together, before they enjoyed any kind of sexual relations, this is what transpired. This is what happened. Next, the text says that, that she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. The scripture is being very plain here. There is no room for, for, for translational error. It is very clear that she was found with child after being overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. In fact, the declaration is made twice when God says to Joseph, when the angel of God says to Joseph, what's conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. We cannot doubt biblically that she, the child that was there, was from the Holy Spirit. It was given to us twice. It was very clearly alliterated to you and I. This is the child. The Father is the Holy Spirit. So we're explicitly told that the Holy Spirit is the Father and the child is going to be the Son of God and Mary is the mother. Now, another argument here within this one story. Joseph says, it says there, Joseph was going to be a righteous man. He was going to divorce her privately rather than having her stoned to death. If this was his child, if he loved her and they had their relations and this was his child, he wouldn't even think about putting her out to be stoned because she's going to say, hey, this is his. I'll give you date and time. 
she would have pointed out that there's a problem. But also, too, if it was just to get rid of her, he would have went on with the stoning. But instead, I'll divorce her privately because he doesn't know any better. I can't believe you did this to me. My heart is broken. In other words, it was obvious in Joseph's mind, I have not had relations with her. So therefore, it must be as the book says when the angel of God comes and says that the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. Now, the, Matthew also goes on and reminds us that the virgin birth was prophesied a long time ago, that Isaiah had said that, the, that we should be expecting the Messiah to come from a miraculous birth, that he should be named Emmanuel, because once he is born, it is God with us. That could not happen through a man. And the Jews knew this, that the man, we carry the sin of Adam. There had to be some kind of miraculous birth for the Son of God to come, because any any child that came from normal relations is going to have the sin of Adam and therefore could not be the, the son of God. So they knew, Isaiah presented it, that it, he was going to come and he was going to be sinless because he was going to have the Holy Spirit overshadowed, that he was going to be the literal son of God. Now this is obviously supernatural. I think it's very obvious that the scripture is teaching that Jesus was born of a virgin. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. And we can also note Joseph carries out exactly what he's told to do. He has no relations with her till after this, this, the, the coming of the baby. He also names the baby Jesus, just like he was told to do. He carries everything out just like Matthew said that he was told to do. Everything is done just like it was printed for you and I. Historically, it's there. It's been written. There's been more we have more manuscripts of the Bible than we do any other noted historical document. But yet, so many people want to question it. Now, does that defy logical explanations? Absolutely. Does that mean there had to be supernatural things that happened? Absolutely. My God is supernatural. He is greater than anything we can do with our hands. Amen? Amen. This has to be taken by faith. We must choose to believe that. Now, you have to decide this morning if you're going to allow your mind to, to believe and trust in something that doesn't make sense scientifically. There are many who would have said that video couldn't have taken place, but we see that it did. There are many things that we may not understand. There are many things that defy logic. There are many things that is greater than what our science can present to you and I. There is so much in the, in fact, the physics world is being upturned. The more we learn, the more we realize we had everything wrong all these years. More and more is coming to light that man is not as bright and smart as he thinks he is. And my God is greater. And my God is bigger. And all he is saying is, by faith, I need to believe this. We need to admit that something that can happen that you and I don't understand. No matter how smart you may think you are, there's things that go on in this world that's greater than what you think. I can't even remotely think I can comprehend everything. So we have to accept this by faith. And if we do, then guess what? There's other things. It, it, what God is telling us that this is a faith. We are to accept by faith. If we really want to understand uh, who God is, if we really want to get to heaven, he says we have to accept him. We have to be born again. Nicodemus asked that question. So are you saying I got to climb back up into my mom and be born again? And Jesus says, no, I'm saying spiritually you must be born again. You have to have a renewing of your spirit. You have to come to faith in me. If you want to follow Jesus, we've got to believe that he says to, to take up our cross 
and die to self. If we want to know who he is, he says, forsake your family, forsake your money, forsake your own life, and follow me. If we're really going to do that, we've got to believe that God was able to, to part the Red Sea. They made the Jordan River stop. He made axe heads float. If you haven't read that story, it's incredible when the metal axe head starts floating. Donkeys talk, fire fell, the blind saw, the deaf could hear. Uh, most importantly, Jesus rose up from the dead to live forevermore. Folks, all these things are, are things that science cannot explain, but the Scripture says they happen, and we have to make the decision, do I believe in the Scriptures or do I not? Because if I believe in the past, if I believe in Scripture, then I am going to believe Jesus is who he said he is. If I start tearing these things out of the Scripture, then why in the world will I believe a guy who has nothing more in common with God than he was born? Folks, he either is the Son of God or he is not. The manuscripts of the Bible are, are numerous and they're accurate. We can look historically and see many of these things in, in historical records, they happened. The scripture is true. Now, you may be saying, why is that important, Pastor? We're here this morning. Uh, we just heard a beautiful rendition of, of, of the virgin birth on that silent night. We know these things, you may say. I know she was a, born of a virgin. But do we believe it? And do we believe it enough to stand up for that doctrinal th statement? Or are we going to let it just go by the side and think what's not important? Folks, what I'd like to share this morning is the fact that it is important. You either believe it or you don't. And you say, well, what was it important for me? It's like a preacher once called it the domino doctrine. If you take this domino out and knock it over, it's going to take down all the rest of them as well. You're either going to accept it or you don't. You can't tell me that you are a Christian but you don't believe in the virgin birth. The two do not go together. It's going to be, this virgin birth is going to continue to be attacked from all sides, but, it, but we need to be ready to make a stand for that because if it falls, the rest of the Christian doctrine falls as well. The virgin birth is a pertinent piece of who we are as Christians. First of all, take the inerrancy of Scripture. As I just shared with you, if, if he really wasn't born of a virgin, then all that story we just read is one big lie. I believe I made the case there very clearly, or at least Matthew made the case that Jesus was born of a virgin with, with his dad being the Holy Spirit, that Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, and he was born of this virgin. If that's not true, then the inerrancy of Scripture goes out the window, and if it goes out the window, so does everything else. Also, too, if you think about it, there's a number of things of Christ to call into question. If he wasn't really born of a virgin, then he's not deity. He's not of God. His, his sinlessness would be questioned. His, his sonship would be questioned. Everything he said that he was, the preexistence of Christ. If he was bo not born of a virgin, if he had a, a human father, he had a point of creation. If he had a time of beginning, then the doctrine of eternality is gone. For Christ, the Bible says, was always there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God and was with God. He was in the very beginning. If he had a point in time where he came to be, that means he wasn't there. That negates the entire Old Testament. He's either who he said he was, or he's not, guys. He's either God or he isn't. If he's only a created being, if he's just, just another human being, then he's not going to be able to bear the sins of the millions 
because he's got his own sin. But yet, it says he was the sinless one. Let me guarantee you this morning that if the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the many others that were detractors, if they could have found sin in his life, we would know it. It would have been pointed out. It would have been shouted from mountaintop to mountaintop. It would have been written about. It would have been pointed out. There was no sin in his life, yet we as human beings know we sin from a very early age. He would not have been the sinless one to carry our our, our, our sins. If he was not a virgin birth, if it wasn't real, then that ascribes promiscuity to Mary and an and, and, and untruthfulness of God. You can't believe in the Christ and not believe in the virgin birth. Look in Hebrews 7 real quick. If the virgin birth wasn't real, then he wasn't really God. And notice what it says in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26. My pages are sticky. For this is the kind of high priest we need. Listen to these qualifications. Holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. If he was not of a virgin birth, if he was carrying the sin of Adam from the beginning, if he was a created being, He does not fit this. He is not holy. He is not innocent. He is not undefiled. He is not separated from sinners. He is a sinner such as you and I. You cannot hold to the scriptures and then say that you deny the virgin birth. You can't say Jesus is whom he says he is and deny that he was born of a virgin Mary. Grey's Anatomy, not the TV show, uh, I've never watched it, but Uh, not the TV show, but the actual reference manual, says that the blood that's within a a baby, the the mother's blood is neither the source nor the supply of the blood, that that comes from the male. That men, that's their part of putting that in there. So when it says that it's the blood of the lamb that washes us and makes us clean, if he was not born of a virgin, then he has the same sin-tainted blood as the rest of us. But, If he is overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, you know what makes that blood within him? The blood of of God, the holy lamb of God he becomes. It is the blood of Christ that's pumping in his, I mean, the blood of, of God the Father that's pumping in his veins. It is holy blood, untainted, sinless. That's why when he shed his blood for you and I, it was able to wash us and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Folks, I would say to you this morning that the scientists of the day didn't know that. They didn't have the technology that came to be where Gray's Anatomy could point out that that part of a, of a baby human comes from the male and not the mother. They just knew that it was the blood of the lamb. We know that we are sinners and there's no remission of the sins by the, by the shedding of blood. But there was a, and they used to do animals repetitively just to kind of fill in a gap. But when Jesus shed his blood, they said that blood's good for all time. Why? Because that blood was of the heavenly father. It was not of a rapist or of Joseph or anyone else. It was a one-time sacrifice of God's blood on the cross for you and I. If she was not born of a virgin, you lose that. You get the contribution of some other male's blood, which is no different than yours and mine. It's the blood of Christ. Can a true Christian deny the virgin birth? The answer to that question in my mind is an unequivocal no. 
Now, I know I'm sharing this morning, it's a different type of sermon. I'm putting more forth on facts and more thoughts on who and what this doctrine is. But it's something that I felt as though after reading this this past week and it being made so prominent because of Christmas time that we need to make sure we have our arms wrapped around. You cannot be a Christian. And I'm going to say it again. You cannot truly know Christ and deny the virgin birth because if you deny the virgin birth, you're saying you're following a man that died a whole lot long time ago. That was real good English, wasn't it? A very long time ago. If he was just a man. Those who deny the virgin birth reject the authority of the scriptures. Those who deny the virgin birth deny the supernatural birth of our Lord and our Savior. They undermine the very values of the gospel message. They are tearing it apart. They have no way of explaining the deity of Christ. That's why I would like to speak to one of these pastors. Now, I understand, as lay people, we may not fully understand all the doctrinal things it takes to set up the gospel message, but as a leader, as a clergy, as someone who stands behind this pulpit, for them to get up and claim that he is the Christ and deny the birth of our Lord and our Savior coming from a virgin, then I would say that they were planted there by the evil one himself. And I, I, I'm not normally that critical or critiquing someone behind a pulpit, but if you're going to tell me that you say that this is a Christ, but he didn't come from a virgin, you are discounting the entire book of, of the Bible. And you're doing it in front of people, and I feel as though they're going to stand accountable for that one day. The Savior died for our sins, folks. As He was a baby that was born, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born in a manger. We sing the songs. And he went forth 33 and a half years later, and he died on that cross, and praise God, three days later, he arose. Why? Because he wasn't born from a man. He was born from a woman, a virgin woman, who was overshadowed by the Word of God, by the Spirit of God. Al Mohler says it like this. If you don't know Albert Mohler, an incredibly intelligent man, he's the dean and president of Southeastern Seminary. But I looked up what he had to say, and as always, if you've ever read Al Mohler, it's very concise and clear. But he says, the virgin birth does not stand alone as a biblical doctrine. It is an irreducible part of the biblical revelation about the person and work of Jesus Christ. With it, the gospel either stands or it falls. It either is going to have the virgin birth and then a gospel message is made, or it denies the, gospel, denies the virgin birth and the gospel falls. Saying that the, that the virgin birth this did not happen is going to fail. Jesus is not going to stand. It means the scripture is not true. It means we cannot rely on the creation account. We can't rely on the prophecy. We can't rely on the ministry of Jesus. We can't rely on the crucifixion. We can't rely on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and most of all, our sins are still unrepented, and we are, are the most miserable, Paul says, because we are putting our faith in a human being. If we're putting our faith in a human being, our faith is in nothing. And we are worshiping and doing all this in vain if he truly is not the savior of the world. So it comes down to Jesus' own teachings. Either you accept him for who he says he is, or he's a big, massive liar. And you have to make a decision. Do you follow the liar or do you follow the savior? Or do you walk away? The choice has to be yours. You have to accept him by faith. You, believe, you either believe it all or not at all. You either believe he was born of a virgin and he died a sinless death 
and he was resurrected again, or you walk away and say, I don't believe any of that. It is a choice only you can make. Now, I will say it's for me in my house. I choose to follow the Lord. I choose to take him at his word. I choose to listen to what was said. I choose to, to follow the historical narrative. I choose to look at how the Pharisees and the Sadducees tried to trip him up and tried to pull out something to show that he wasn't who he said he was. And these were well-learned men, and they could not. And that's with him living a life amongst the people. They could not find it because it did not exist. He was and is and will always be the Son of God. And he said, whomsoever believeth in me shall not perish. You know why? Because he never perished, because he was everlasting to everlasting from the beginning to the, there was no beginning, from, from always to always. And he said, because I am there, you will be washed in my blood if you believe in me that I am the Son of God. Notice Jesus said that. If you believe I am the Son of God and I rose again on the third day, so shall you be, be saved. If you are a man behind the pulpit or anywhere and you say, I don't believe he was the Son of God, it was Mary and another man, but he was a good man, then you just negated Jesus' words. He said, you've got to believe I was the Son of God and that I rose again. He himself put the two primary in the book ends to the gospel. He was born of a virgin, the son of God, and he rose again because he's God. You got to believe in those and everything in between or you don't know him as your Lord and Savior. There's no, there's no interpretive error here. There's no translational error here. It is very clearly bestowed and put forth just as she sang a moment ago. That silent night, the Virgin Mary gave birth to the Son who brought salvation to the world. And his name was Emmanuel. God is with us. And then he was named Jesus. Because God was with us once he was born into this world. We are going to see assaults continue to happen on the word. We're going to see it assaulted from the inside out. I will say those numbers astonished me. I have a lot of Methodist friends who do not buy into what that 60% were. But it still scares me. 39% of Baptist preachers. That scares me. Where are we going when we take away the virgin birth? When we start worshiping science rather than the scripture, rather than the word, rather than God? I can't explain the virgin birth. I can't explain floating axe heads, metal axe heads. I can't fully explain how the, 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 the Red Sea parted. I can't explain how he called Lazarus back from the dead. I can't explain how he came forth from the tomb and was seen by over 500 witnesses and taught and preached for 40 more days and then witnessed as he ascended into the, the, left, the left hand of God, right hand of God. I can't explain those things. But do I believe in them? Absolutely so. My faith is in Christ. There was a, a, a very noted professor and preacher named Dr. Jeremy, no, Dr. William Evans. He preached at Christ Church from 1906 to 1909. He was a very unique individual. He was a mighty man of God. He had the entire King James memorized. Not one book, not one chapter, but the entire book memorized and the entire New Testament of the New American Standard Bible. 
He had all that memorized. Very passionate pastor. Everyone loved him. Well, his son, Lewis, became a very well-known preacher in America at the first Presbyterian church in Hollywood. The bastion of liberalism, if you will. And as he was there, or after his dad retired, his dad moved over by him and would fill the pulpit when his son wasn't there. If he was going somewhere or doing something, his dad would come in and fill the pulpit. Well, there was a rage in the early 1920s of people starting that argument that the virgin birth couldn't be real, that you couldn't really have a virgin birth. So he was asked to preach one day, and the, the people loved him. He was, he was fun to be around from what, what I've read and what I understand because he, he had the entire Bible memorized. He could just sit and, and enthrall people with the, with the Sermon on the Mount and just, just an incredible speaker and having all this knowledge. Well, it says that they were shocked when he got up to preach that day and he took his Bible and he said, we're going to talk about the birth of our Lord. Wait a minute. And then he ripped out the pages of his Bible. And he threw them on the floor. And he said, if we can't believe in the virgin birth of the Bible, then we'll just tear it out. And he said, oh, and we need to tear out these resurrection chapters too. He tore them out and threw them. And he said, the miracle narratives, anything conveying any kind of supernatural, he started tearing all these pages out. And they fluttered down and he said that, that when all these pages were all over the floor, he held up his Bible and he said, all that I have left in here now is the Sermon on the Mount. And I'll be honest with you, with all this on the floor, that means if Christ, the Son of God, didn't preach this, that don't matter to me either. And he threw it on the ground. And he looked to the people. He said, that's your message for today. Either you believe in the virgin birth and the resurrection, or you don't. Why would you come in God's house? That's, he said, why would you come into God's house and then tell him he's not God? Ouch. Now, the story doesn't say what his son said when he came back from wherever he was at. But praise God, those people heard the gospel. The message this morning that I'm presenting to you is very simple, very short. And that is this. Jesus Christ is, was, and will always be the Son of God. He sits at the right hand as our mediator, our litigator. And he said, whomsoever believes in me shall not perish. One day, you and I are going to die. This physical body is going to pass away. And we're going to stand before the Lord. And all, it says there's going to be a recounting of our life. But you know what then happens? There's a Lamb's book of life that's going to be opened. And in that book, it says that the names of those who are written in the blood of the Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, so shall they be saved. If he was not born of a virgin, those pages are going to be blank. That blood would not get into heaven because there's no sin allowed into heaven. Only those who have been covered in the blood Paul says to be in Christ. Only those names that appear that were written with blood, not of this world. Jesus said, I'm going to go to the Father. 
And I'm going to go, and all you who believe me, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. Not from hands of this world. I'm going to go build a, 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 a place, a spiritual home for you. In my Father's house is many mansions. I'm going to build you a place. And then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to call you unto myself so that where I am, you can be also. And we're going to gather together for eternity at the throne of God. If Jesus was not born of a virgin, then he is still dead laying somewhere. But if he was born of that virgin as he said he was, then he's also prepared a place for us. The decision is ours to make. He's not going to strong arm you into it. He's presented it all in front of you. And he says, now you must believe. The miracles have been presented. And as we said last week, if there's good fruit, it must have came from a good tree. When we look at the life of Christ, we see who he said he was who he said he was. If he was who he said he was then, why would it change today? The question I put forth to you this morning, guys. Actually, if you look at the bottom, the last part of verse 21, I think it says there that, that well, let's just look. Bottom of verse 21 says, because he will save his people from their sins. If you truly know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, hallelujah. You have been saved from your sins. If you're here this morning and you've never totally surrendered your heart and your life to him, you're still in a position you're not going to get in. I do believe that Jesus is whom he said he was. I do believe that he is God here amongst us. And I do believe that he died on that cross, not just for me, not just for you, but for whomsoever believed that he was the Son of God, whomsoever believed that he rose again on the third day, and whomsoever gave their heart, not just in word prayer, but gave their heart to him for their lordship, for his lordship and his rulership over them. If you truly have done that, hallelujah. If you have not, today's the day you can make that real. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can have that changed right now. And maybe you've been, you just haven't made that commitment. You're realizing maybe now's the time. Walk, walk that aisle. Hold your hand up. Get on your knees. Say, Father God, here I am. And if you're here this morning and you've been denying the virgin birth, isn't it great we serve a Lord? He said, all you got to do is look back to me. Because, you know, it says at the end of the Great Commission that I will be with you always till the ends of the earth. If he wasn't born of a virgin, then that's a lie. But if he was, he'll never leave you. He's right there. And all you got to do is 1 John 1, 9 says, if I will confess all my sins unto him, he is faithful and true to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Where are you this morning, guys? The great thing is, you don't have to confess your sins to me. You confess them to him. And you say, Father, forgive me. I, I got caught up in the science of everything and forgot your supernatural power. I got caught up in the world's beliefs and forgot you're who you say you are. Father, I do know you. I do want you in my life. And I ask your forgiveness. He's not going to poke you in the eye. He's going to wrap his arms around you and say, welcome home, my prodigal. Put a ring upon his finger and kill a fattened cow. There's another one coming home.
spur you this morning. Now, if you say, well, I've, I, I, I just now realized and I've spent all these years saying wrong, that's okay. You can make that stop today. Do you believe in Christ or do you not? And you can't believe one without the other. He was born of a virgin and died sinless on a cross. Our propitiation, the Bible says, our replacement for our sin. Do you believe that today? Let's all stand. I want to lead us in a word of prayer. That beautiful song she sang just a few moments ago, guys. That's all for naught if you don't truly believe in who he really is. That silent night, it was just another baby being born if it wasn't born of a virgin. Where are you this morning? What is your decision? Maybe this is the day that you set your heart straight. We're about to go next door and we're going to have cake and ice cream and celebrate Miss Carolyn's birthday. But how much sweeter it will be if we truly can celebrate the birthday of our Lord as well. And you can't if you deny who he is. What say you this morning? Let's pray. Father God, I come before you and just ask you, Lord, to, to bless this time in your house, Father, that, that you would bless this, this very doctrinal statement that you laid out there you are the son of god that the holy spirit overshadowed mary and you were born not blood of this world but blood of your world of your sphere of your glory and because of that blood that flowed through the, the veins of jesus his willingness to carry it to the cross and though i don't fully understand how he could be a hundred percent man and a hundred percent god you did that, that defies understanding, so that we can have acceptance into your house. Father, I pray right now that you will just bless us from on high, and may your blood pour out upon us, and may we make a stand for you. Even if science says it's not possible, I know with you all things are possible. Father, I pray your will to be done. And we give you praise, honor, and glory. And if there's someone here today, whatever they're dealing with, may this be the day they step out and accept you as Lord or turn it over to you as Lord. And may you get all praise, honor, and glory. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. As we sing this morning, if God's speaking to you, come on out. Come on down. Amen. Savior is waiting.
Guys, this morning, understand this, that I am not talking down or bad about science. We need to approach science with a godly view rather than a worldly view. And the heavens declare the glory of God. People, somebody just asked me this this past week. I went to the National Museum of History. And, and as you know, my degree is in biological anthropology. And someone said, how can you marry anthropology, biological anthropology, the study of evolution, if you will, with theology? It's your worldview. Where do you come from? There are some things that are indisputable and some things you have to accept by faith. I choose to accept by faith that Jesus Christ is whom he says he is. Amen? So don't just turn away from science. Don't become one of those people who say, all scientists are bad. That's not true. In fact, we're about to hear a testimony that says otherwise. But continue to look to the Lord first. Amen? Praise the Lord. Good seeing everybody this morning, and we're going to go next door in a moment and have cake and ice cream to celebrate Carolyn's 85th birthday. But before we do, I want to grab, ask you to grab your seats for one more moment, and my brother Eddie here is going to come up and share a quick testimony with you. He's been on our prayer list. This is Eddie Harmon off the prayer list. How y'all doing? Hallelujah. Shane Dahlberg got me on y'all's prayer list probably two, three months ago. Um, I've been uh, diagnosed with, I had a couple of masses on me that were pretty good size, one in my lung, one on my adrenal gland, and I had two doctors tell me I had cancer, and, you know, God gave me peace on that, I never, you know, I said, I feel too good to have cancer, and, you know, everything's going a certain way, well, I got them both taken out, I don't have cancer, <laughs> in fact, I just got out of the hospital, last Thursday afternoon, so and they took a good part of a lung out, and I'm up here today, and I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about faith, and I want to thank y'all for praying for me. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The power of prayer, amen? Who's to say it wasn't cancer, and God prayed it away, but he used the scientists and the doctors to get him to where he is now, standing here before us. Amen. Remember that science and all those things, hallelujah, God gifted us with those things if we choose to use them the way he so desires. It's when we put our faith in them rather than him, it goes astray. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good seeing everybody this morning. I praise the Lord for each one of you. Keep looking up. Keep, keep focusing. And guys, don't allow yourself to get so busy that you forget about Christ. Amen? Amen. 
Amen. Brother Tim, do you mind closing us in prayer this morning, brother? Amen. Thanks for all of your uh, grace and mercy you pour out upon us each day, especially this time of year, with your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we just lift up our cares and concerns to you and know that many are, are sick and, and need you in great position in their healing hands. Just touch the doctors, touch their lives and, their, and the loved ones around them. And let them know and give them comfort to know that you're in charge or your will be Lord, to go about and leave this place, let us always remember to uh, be a blessing and a light that your, that your son gave as an example to us as we go out in this world to, to meet and disciple them. These things we ask you, Father, so most holy and gracious In my wrestling, in my doubts, in my failures, you won't walk out. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. Whoa, you are the peace in my troubled sea. In the silence, you won't let go. In my questions, your truth will hold. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. Whoa, you are the peace in my troubled sea. Two, three, four. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, shining in the darkness, I will follow you. Whoa, my lighthouse, my lighthouse, I will trust the promise. You will carry me say, to shore. Say to shore. Say to shore. Say to shore. I won't fear what tomorrow brings. With each morning, I'll rise and sing. My God's love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. Whoa, you are the peace in my troubled sea. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, shining in the darkness, I will follow you. Whoa, my lighthouse, my lighthouse. I will trust the promise you will carry me safe to show oh, safe to show safe to show
to show. Whoa, oh, say to show. Whoa, oh, say to show. Whoa, oh, say to show. Mic check. What'd you think? 